0: Now we're going to be talking to Jonathan Luxton. I talked to him earlier in the week, in fact, and uh, he is the musical director of Voices of the Derg, uh, uh, one of the Killaloo choirs, and they're looking for recruits at the moment, and the contact details are either email voices of the derg all one word at gmail.com or telephone karen on 087 and now we're going to hear jonathan chatting to me about his life and music. good morning i'm just talking today to jonathan luxton who is musical director of our local choir voices of the derg but my goodness, Jonathan, what an interesting pedigree you have in the musical world. Would you like to tell us about it? For instance, I know you're a professional French horn player working on a freelance basis these days, but that you had a long and distinguished career with the Gulbenkian Orchestra in Lisbon for, I think, about 31 years you were based mm-hmm. there. But very early in life, you picked up a coach horn when you were five, and that started your whole musical journey. Would you like to give us a glimpse of how it developed from there?
1: Well, yes, thank you It was uh, for the opportunity to talk. Um, it was, um, yes, a very young age and my parents encouraged me to play instruments and the coach horn I played, we had hanging on our lounge and I used to play around with that and then my, a friend of my parents suggested that I play the trumpet. So I played the trumpet, which I really enjoyed. And I would go out with the choirs doing carol singing and playing the carols for the choirs, which I remember doing at the age of nine and ten, which I loved. And then when I was 12, I went on to the French horn. And the French horn obviously seemed to me my instrument. I played in the local county orchestras and then eventually went to the Royal Academy of Music. From the Royal Academy of Music, I taught as a peripatetic teacher in Kent Music School before accepting the job at the age of 24 to go. To play at principal horn in the Banking Orchestra in Lisbon, as you said, and so yes, and I was there for the next thirty, nearly thirty-five years. So,
0: my goodness, wonderful! And did you feel when you were in Portugal then, were you did you become a citizen or anything like that, or did you think about that?
1: Uh, that's a very sticky question oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I, didn't, I never felt that England would ever leave the, uh, the European Union. And so I didn't bother with my my citizenship. I could have got citizenship. I was I taught at university as well, and I could have so I could have easily got my citizenship. But I didn't bother because I didn't feel I needed to, as we were all in the European Community together. However,
0: <laughs> well, yes, life plays a lot of tricks, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So when you were leaving Portugal then, was it the job opportunity that took you away from it or just a, a change in how you were living your life and wanting to move to somewhere else? Or
1: yes, I, I felt I needed a change. I wanted to play the horn a little bit more. And when we moved here to Killaloo, I had those opportunities. And I did a little bit of teaching here. And then the opportunities to start playing came in because I knew people and I could freelance here. Um, I didn't find that so easy to do in Portugal, which may sound a little bizarre, but um, there are a lot of um, freelance hall players in Portugal, and I was kind of at the top of the tree there, and I don't suppose people wanted to employ me because they felt that I might not take the ch- any work up there, That's but anyway, yeah. I, I didn't, and so I restarted playing here and kind of restarted re- my career in, 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 in Killaloo.
0: And what drew you to Killaloo? That's kind of an obvious question too, I suppose. But um, I know that lots of members of the Irish Chamber Orchestra live in this area, for example. So was it through that connection that you professionally made the connections?
1: That's a good question. We were in the... First of all, my my wife, Claire, has very close friends who live in Killaloo. And so she was lifelong friends and we were visiting them. So we liked the area, I thought it was very beautiful. And when I was in the Ponte Vecchio... In killaloo i met tara lee Byrne, who runs the Munster music academy that's and nice. she said why don't you come and teach her so we just said okay so on a sort of a whim we came to killaloo maybe we didn't feel we would stay five six seven years whatever it's been 5 nearly five years now four years now but but we did and we were enjoying it and we love living here
0: well that's really interesting um I know Ponte Vecchio is a great <clears throat> melting pot, and lots of people meet there, and lots of new things develop from it. Yes, so it's a great spot. Um, so, at this stage now, you're—I know you because I've joined Voices of the Dir Choir, and as we mentioned, you musical director of Voices mm-hmm. of the Dir. I think it's here—is it your second or third season with the choir at this stage?
1: if we count it term wise yes I suppose the school terms yes mm-hmm. uh, this is my my we're going into the third season so yes yeah. it is um, I was approached again it's a very the ironies of the Munster Music Academy and the Ponte Vecchio because I think it was a lady who teaches or used to teach at the, the Munster Music Academy who recommended me to Mary or to Karen, Mm -hmm. and that's how I was. They interviewed me for the job to come and to to start the voice for the day, Mm. which we interviewed in the in (laughs) Ponte (laughs) Vecchio.
0: So,
1: so they asked me to come if I would be be director. And I've always had a wonderful interest in teaching people music, and I think singing—not teaching—is the wrong word, but encouraging people to music. And I think the best way to do that, right from the initial start, is is through singing because you can throw a blanket over a large amount of people who get the opportunity to sing and to make music together, which is much easier than, let's say, instruments. So if you learn an instrument, the piano, the violin, the French horn, it's nearly always a one-on-one situation. Which is a very expensive and time-consuming way of teaching ten people. You might need five hours, whereas with the choir, you can bring everybody together and everybody helps each other. You don't get those restrictions. And you don't need an instrument. It's the cheapest form of music Mm. in that sense and it brings a great it brings a great community and people together
0: yes I think the word community is an important one in terms of a choir because it's so inclusive you know people can join in Mm -hmm. and you don't have to feel that the spotlight's on you as a single um, singer or entertainer although I suppose that opportunity's there if you want it (laughs) Um, one of the things I really enjoy about the choir is your method of teaching the music Mm. because you know you're you're developing the voice, you're developing the sense of rhythm, you're attuning the people to the different keys that we're working in. And if you have no formal knowledge, and my own is pretty sketchy, of musical theory, for example, that seems to me to be a very useful way of doing it and a pleasant way of doing it. So how do you feel about the choir now developing? I think you're trying to recruit a few men still, is that right? Well, we've done, I think
1: our male recruitment has done very well because I, th- I know if you realise we now have, I think, six or seven men okay. when we only had one or two. So I think we're doing quite well on the male recruitment. Um, but obviously anybody is always welcome to come along. It is a community choir. Going back to the community path, what, what I love about music and having played a lot of sport myself as well, if, whether it be, whether it be, whether it be any, any team sport of like hurling or rugby mm-hmm. or soccer, there, there are it basically, you, everybody's equal. So when you walk into a choir, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a teacher, whether you work in a restaurant or whatever your job, everybody's the same. There's no hierarchy, which I just absolutely love about music. And I think that's, a, I think that's what makes the community choir a community choir, because there isn't a hierarchy.
0: And do you see the choir moving forward, you know, now that it is developing and especially now that all the parts are coming together and you're getting the men that, that are Yes. This, um, do you see the choir maybe going in for competitions or, you know, would you have any plans in that direction for its development?
1: I think that's always an interesting thing. First of all, I, I want to say I didn't ask, answer all your questions before, but going back to competitions wise, mm. I think it's really important to have something to work towards. Whether it be playing in a festival, singing in a festival, like we hope to be doing in Toon whether we're singing wherever we sing as a group, like we did for the, the Christmas concert, it's really good to have something to work towards. I think if you turn up for rehearsal every week, not knowing where you're going, if <laughs> there's not a light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. um, I sometimes feel that that um, it isn't very inspiring. Going back to the start t- way of teaching, I think I think. you can't please all the people all of the time but you can please some of the people some of the time so I think some people do enjoy the rhythms maybe some people don't I think some people do enjoy learning a little more about the theory of music some people don't and they don't have to but I want to try and be inclusive as I can to encourage people to um, and if they learn something as well along the line that's also fantastic but lastly on the way the choir is developing I'm sorry to keep talking, but is I think the choir now learns pieces about ten times faster than they did in September when I started, because people are catching on to the way that I teach. And they're all, but they're also inspired, and they also listen to their WhatsApps better now. And then and basically, you're just training the ear and um, to be to be more receptive. And they and we are. i we sounded fantastic last night when we sang the uh, "Let Make Me a Channel of Your Peace."
0: Yeah, and I think it's terrific as well that you can be singing a piece that you think you've known for years but you've been singing it at the wrong tempo <laughs> or you've had that we note there <laughs> it's not right and you suddenly discover it when you're in the bigger picture kind of thing you know, because the harmonies need to yes. match up. So.
1: Yes, that's an interesting one. I suppose if you have... We, have, we are 40 people in the choir, 35, 40. Mm-hmm. If you have 40 people who all have their own interpretation... <laughs> of a piece it can cause quite a lot of chaos so I'm in maybe it's my very sort of maybe even too rigid classical music upbringing but I do believe we should try to, to sing what is written in front of us mm-hmm. because then at least as I said last night it was a very bad pun we're all singing from the same in sheet <laughs> yes because yeah. then, there, then, there, then there's no excuse for things not being correct mm-hmm. because otherwise it could become a, a little bit of a free for all
0: mm-hmm. Well, um, I think Voices of the Dirg is still uh, open to new membership. Absolutely. So um, the, I'll give out the contact number later in the programme today. And thank you so much, Jonathan. that has been really fun to talk to you and it's a great pleasure to be part of the choir and um, thank you for that too. Well, thank you for asking me. It's been, a, been my pleasure. Thank you.